The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome to it. It's uh, John Scholes here along with Chris Justice from Samfiru Tamarkin LLP. Chris will be answering all of your calls tonight and a few different ways to reach us. Uh, the slow route in which one works after the show as well anytime, 24-7, that would be email. And that is help at employmentlawyer.ca, the website for you to use, as you know, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Our main topic in just a bit will be the, uh, you know, employee, uh, well, off-duty behavior is what we're going to call it, conduct, if you will. Can it result in a termination for just cause? Eh, it depends what you're doing. So uh, we'll get to that in just a bit. We'll get to a phone call here momentarily. But uh, Chris, let's just get it warmed up for a minute or so with the case of the day, the week that was, brother. What do you got going on? Yeah, today I thought I'd talk a little bit about when employees or I guess individuals in the workplace record others. Uh, it comes up somewhat regularly. Either a client of mine may tell me later on, you know, hey, Chris, I've got an actual recording of this meeting that I had with my employer. Can we use it? Is there something wrong with that? And then I've had other situations where people come to me and just say, you know, I'd like to record this meeting that's coming up or, you know, is there any issue with recording people in the workplace? Is it legal? And in Ontario, it is actually, in most cases, legal to record a conversation at work, so long as one of the parties involved in the conversation are aware of the recording itself. And that can actually be the person doing the recording. So I can be, say, in a meeting with my boss, and I can record the conversation without my boss knowing, but because I'm an active participant in that discussion, Mm -hmm. my boss doesn't actually need to know about it for that to be a legal action that I've done. Now, when there are situations where you're recording people that in a conversation that you're not a part of, and they're not aware of your involvement in that conversation, that's when it actually becomes an issue. And it's actually illegal to record those conversations, actually a breach Hmm. of the criminal code. So if if you're recording others surreptitiously or secretly without them knowing, and you're not at all in the conversation, you definitely want to be aware. But if you're a part of the conversation, even if, say, your boss doesn't know, and I know a lot of cases where people have recorded or wanted to record their boss, that's not illegal. Now, does that mean that if your company finds out or your boss finds out, they may not be ticked off? They may not actually terminate your employment or your job may not get affected? No, that can still happen. But it would also mean that normally you're still going to be owed severance. So it's not enough just to say, Oh, we found out you were recording this meeting without our knowledge. We're letting you go for cause, you know, see yourself out and we're not paying you anything. That's going to be a huge issue for the employer and a big hurdle to get over if you're the employer. But as I say, you also want to just be careful when and exercise some caution when it comes to recording, because as much as it may not be illegal or result in cause, there still could be implications. So it's something you want to probably get some legal advice on before you do it. But there is that misconception out there that everyone needs to be aware of the conversation for it to even be something that's admissible in the legal context. And uh, a reminder, uh, you know, Chris, you kind of mentioned there to reach out to you with anything mm-hmm. uh, of those questions of that nature or anything else. one 821 5900 is how you get on air. And join us. Want to get uh, Joseph on the line here. There we go. Joseph, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. What's on your good, mind? Thank you. Uh, just a little bit stressed out. So um, I've been working, or I was working with a company since uh, 2012. I was there contracted for two years, and then they hired me on staff uh, in 2014. 
Then uh, recently there was a company management change. Anyways, to make a long story short, they offered me a severance package, which I ended up taking. Um, Everything seemed pretty good. I was getting paid for a couple of weeks. And uh, I was told that uh, at the time of doing it, I could actually take it if I wanted as a lump sum. So I ended up reaching out to them about that. Um, After all that, I actually ended up getting legal notice from them saying that um, first they suggested I was trying to extort them. uh, And that was going to be in breach of my contract. And another thing they said is that uh, I discussed this with employees, which also breached my contract, so they're no longer going to pay me. Okay. Um, And they also, like in writing, had requested things from me, which uh, I've complied with the whole time, so I've never in any way suggested or or anything that, you know, I, I would be not complying with anything that they've asked. I kind of, even when I left, thought I left on good terms and was always helpful to any requests. And I was in IT with them, so just just so you have a background. Okay, so so you were effectively terminated, and they gave you your last day. Uh, I take it there was a certain deadline or, or last day they communicated saying today's going to be your last day. Yeah, so uh, they basically gave me my package on a Friday, like at five o'clock, right as we were leaving. Um, they said, "Look at this," and then basically gave me till Monday morning to <clears> make a decision. Uh, very like it was a lot of pressure to to sign it, kind of saying, you know, if you don't sign it by this point, um, right? It's you know you're no longer going to have a package with us. Uh, so I did feel kind of pressured into it, but nonetheless, I did sign it. Um, okay. And I, it seemed good. I was getting paid. And then all of a sudden, they pretty much just said, hey, you breached your contract. We're not paying you anymore. Okay. So they did effectively let you go that Friday. You weren't an employee of theirs after that Friday? Correct. They, they have reached out. They have many times reached out to me for information. Right. Um and like I said, I was getting paid and they decided they no longer wanted to. understand. So it, it may actually come down to what you've signed. Um, so a lot of times an employer will offer somebody a package and in doing so, have them be bound by certain terms in exchange for getting that money. You know, oftentimes they'll say, here's $50,000, but we want you to keep this confidential. We don't want you to disparage us. We don't want this. We don't want that. And so right. there's a bit of a give and take there. So. If you're saying you got the package, you signed the package, even though there was some pressure put on you, you may be bound still by the terms of that deal, and it may require a lawyer to have to kind of investigate what those terms are and find out if they actually have grounds to deny you that severance or to cut you off. You know, it is possible they could cut you off. I was thinking maybe you hadn't signed anything. You were no longer an employee of theirs. It's going to be a lot harder for them to sort sort of go back on their deal. Uh, or, or take something away from you that they've agreed to, but it may come down to the language of, of what you've signed. So I would suggest maybe getting in touch, uh, setting up a consultation, and we can kind of walk through whether or not they actually have a leg to stand on when it comes to this whole breach of contract uh, allegation. Right. And would they not need to prove if, like, if they're suggesting I did something which I'm under the impression that I did not do, wouldn't they need to prove that? Yeah, absolutely. If if they're saying that you've breached a contract or breached a term of a contract, they're basically saying that there was an expectation you agree or abide by a certain term. And so typically they're going to have to make out that basis and say, this is the term you agreed to. This is the example of the action you committed that breached that term. And here's the penalty. And again, that may also be set out in some document that was signed. So yeah, there is an onus on them if they're going to go down the breach of contract path. Um, which, again, may be all the more reason to get some legal advice and, and get a lawyer involved and, and try to figure out the situation. Okay. I appreciate it.
Thank Thanks, you, Joseph. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the call, pal. And to uh, carry forth, if you need another conversation with Chris, just gave the number. I'll do it again, one 821 5900 Let's get into a short, uh, short break here, get back with more of the Employment Law Show. Hang in there. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Yeah, welcome back to an Employment Law Show. Chris Justice is your lawyer in-house tonight. Sam Firu to Mark and LLP, always encouraged and invited to Make that phone call beyond this half hour of the radio show to reach Chris and his team. He's got a lot of people standing by waiting to talk to you and uh, solve some matters. So just have a conversation. It won't cost you a penny to call one 855 But as mentioned, Chris, the uh, topic we're going to cover tonight, off-duty conduct. Can it result in a termination for just cause? We'll find out. But first, those two terms, just cause, what does it constitute with respect to that termination? What do you think, pal? Yeah, so we've talked about this a lot before. It's always important, though, that people understand it's very, very difficult for an employer to successfully make out a just cause case against you. But with that said, a a dismissal rather without cause is going to be someone being let go, maybe due to reorganization, restructuring, you're not the right fit, nothing, you know, hugely contentious, um, for which you're, of course, going to be owed severance. But when there's a termination for cause, that's considered the capital punishment of employment law. It's reserved for the worst aspects of misconduct in the workplace. So, you know, a lot of times things that go towards being dishonest, that's a big one that strikes at the core of the relationship. Uh, of course, egregious things like committing an assault or engaging in theft, uh, refusing to do your job, so insubordination. These can oftentimes be some of the main candidates when uh, employers will allege cause that may have the better chance of of making it out. But even then, it's still going to be very, very difficult. As I say, it's the capital punishment of the employment law world. You don't get any severance. You get no notice. You get absolutely nothing. You get no EI. You're going to have a very difficult time getting EI. And so for all those reasons, that's why employers have a really big hurdle to climb in order to meet just cause, even if there is, you know, relatively serious misconduct going on. I think the obvious question would be people here, you know, off-duty conduct. They're, you know, they're thinking, can my conduct outside my workplace impact my job or even result in that termination? Yeah. So, of course, most of the time someone does something wrong in the workplace. That's what we're analyzing. Um, but there are definitely occasions where um, what you do outside on your own time, outside work hours, work property, uh, location, what have you, um, that that can actually affect your job. Uh, there was one example I gave a long time ago. Um, we all know those Google trucks that go around in neighborhoods and snap photos of the surrounding area to sort of populate the Google Maps. And there was one instance where uh, I spoke to somebody and he saw these trucks going by and they were taking photos of the, the suburb that he was in. And he basically flipped off the Google the Google truck. He gave two middle <laughs> fingers to it. And that ended up being actually the picture that was captured on the Google Maps engine and there was an elderly couple in the sort of the area looking to buy a home and they were uh, navigating the Google Maps online uh, to search this particular suburb and they caught this photo of this guy flipping off the trucks and the guy also happened to be wearing the full company outfit had Oops. the the company van with the company logo on it and the couple who was looking to buy a home and searching the Google 
uh, phoned up the business and said, oh, by the way, you might want to know one of your employees is, you know, doing X, Y, Z. And I mean, look, it's, it's not something you would ever advise someone to do and certainly something you'd advise against. But this person did that, not knowing, you know, that that would ever be found out. And the company found out they let him go. Now, does that mean the company has just cause to terminate? No, not necessarily and probably not likely. But it just goes to show that, you know, things that you may not even know about um, could have far reaching effects. And especially in this digital age, I mean, there's social media, you post something, it finds its way back, and then you're getting yourself into hot water potentially, even if there is no cause. So you could lose your job, you could be subjected to some form of discipline short of losing your job. But yeah, you definitely want to be mindful, especially uh, nowadays. Man, you think of that. Th- think of think of the of the, the you know the odds of that. You, you're walking yeah. along the street. Google truck is there. You flip <clears> it off, and the two people that happen to see that picture looking for a house in that street that gets back to your. I mean, this guy should avoid yeah. rainstorms at all times because he's <laughs> definitely going to get hit by lightning. That guy. Talk about the worst luck in the planet. Yeah, Poor guy. Yeah. For once, you know what I mean? Like, oh man, I'd hate to be that guy. Uh, Jay, you sound like you're in much better shape. How are you, pal? What's going on tonight? I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. You bet. Um, my question is, uh, if I'm a small business and I'm doing a seasonal, um, a providing seasonal uh, work, um, how will that affect my uh, staff's contracts? Would they be contractees or would they be actual staff, employees? Yeah, so seasonal workers are oftentimes going to be treated just like any regular employee. Of course, the nature of their job is going to be one where maybe four months out of the year they're not working, let's say, in the winter months and they come back later on. But let's say, for example, you know, after a few seasons they get let go, those seasonal workers are still going to have the same rights generally as uh, a full-time employment working throughout the year. So there is sort of a misconception when it comes to things like seasonal workers, casual workers, part-time workers. Um, a lot of, um, like I say, misconceptions around the rights and the protection that these groups of people have. And a lot of employers, whether you're small or larger, will sort of get caught up in these misconceptions and think that, you know, they may not be entitled to one thing or another when in fact they are. So yeah, you want to be careful, I guess, how you're treating them. And it will come down to a case by case basis, most likely. Um, but, but that's just an example as far as, you know, when it comes to things like a severance payout. So would you structure a contract a little differently, knowing that they're only going to be working in the winter and that's, that's really what you need people for is just wintertime uh, employment? Yeah, I would say there are many issues with sort of crafting a contract in a way that, you know, has you avoid paying or providing those same entitlements because oftentimes when you go beyond the contract and examine the relationship, the working relationship, they still get categorized as, you know, an employee for which they're entitled to some protection. But there are things you can do as far as drafting a contract is concerned to minimize your exposure and liability. Um, you may not eliminate every risk in the world, but I do think with the help of an experienced employment lawyer, you can put together certain things for certain you know, individuals or groups of workers um, that, that I think can benefit you, especially as a smaller business. So I, I think it would be something you'd probably want to give us a call, set up a consultation, and it's uh, you know, like contract drafting or preparation of those sorts of things is, is something we can work on. All right. That sounds great. Thank you, and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. yours, uh, as well. yours as well, Jay. And here is that number to reach Chris and uh, go forward with that particular plan. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Hi, Linda. Thank you for hanging on. How are you? Oh, hi. Good evening. How are you? 
Excellent. Thank Good you take, uh, for taking the time. What's your question? Um, I'm calling on behalf of my daughter-in-law. Um, yesterday, she was advised that uh, her job has been eliminated, or she's been eliminated. Um, she worked for a big, fairly big company, but I guess that's not important. Um, she was, so she wants to know if the severance they're offering her is sufficient or is what she is entitled to. She, um, it's been two years with the company. Uh, she's 37 years old. Mm -hmm. Her annual salary is about 70,000. Okay. And you want to know what her position was? Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Event project coordinator. Okay. Um, I'm just curious, how did she get the job? Was she, uh, let's say, induced or recruited to to leave a a previous job, or was she unemployed at the time she got that role? Uh, I believe that she was unemployed at the time. Okay. And this happened how long ago, the termination? Yesterday. Okay. So, so even though somebody's been at a company for two years, she's relatively young. She's making a good mm-hmm. amount of money. Uh, it may depend on what available jobs, like the one she had, are out there. Whether it's mm-hmm. a remote position or or an on-site position, but even somebody with as much as two years of service in her position could potentially get, you know, something like six months of severance. Um, it's not to say that there's an exact idea of what someone can get. A lot of times there's a bit of a range. You, you often can see two-year employees get three, four, five, six months. Um, it may depend as well on a contract that she might have signed. So if you're an employee and you're working for a larger company, maybe someone, uh, something that's more sophisticated, uh, they, they may have a contract that they had her sign when she started that may be drafted in a certain way that could limit her rights as well because Anytime someone's let go without cause, they're going to be guaranteed a certain amount of money. And if she's completed mm-hmm. two full years, then she's going to be looking at at least two weeks of pay. Um, and uh, But if there's a contract, uh, the contract may talk about termination. So, for example, there could be a clause in there that says, if we do let you go in the future without cause, let's say we just don't think you're the right fit or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, this is what we're going to give you. And oftentimes that's designed to limit their obligation to your yeah. daughter-in-law to just those bare minimums. So in a case where somebody's maybe got a year and a half or less than two years with a company and they're owed two weeks under the legislation, they could get as much as six months. I mean, that's a huge difference. So, yeah. um, so it may require examining the contract if there is one. Um, the good news is that while most people may sign a contract, for the most part, they're not usually worded in a way that would protect the company from that full amount of liability. Um, but as I say, just because you're a short-term service employee doesn't mean you're not going to get uh, a lot of severance. Oftentimes, you'll get disproportionately larger packages when it comes to those shorter-term service employees. Um, but it also may be uh, contingent on what her future is like, too. If she's able to, for example, secure another job of a similar nature very quickly, that could affect her potential entitlements, or if she's got that contract, it could. But otherwise, my guess is whatever they've offered her probably isn't going to be uh, enough, and there's room for movement there, and, and negotiations mm-hmm. may make sense. The other thing is they had told her they'll give her an extra week if she signs. Uh, an extra uh, week of pay, like uh, I guess with along with the severance, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, a lot of times companies will say in the termination letter, you know, maybe in the first half, this is what we have to pay you. So here's a week or two or three uh-huh. or whatever the Employment Standards Act says oh, well, we owe yeah. you. 
and 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 then they'll say, but if you sign this full and final release, we'll give you another week or two or three or four. And as much as that may seem like, oh, they're being generous, they're giving me yeah. more than what the legislation sets out to, to give me, it's actually still going to be, in most cases, a lowball offer, and you're mm -hmm. still going to want to negotiate. So my advice in pretty much every scenario is that if you get let go and you're given something to sign, get legal advice right away before signing anything because you can't go back later on and, and sort of fight it. Um, and even though it may look like a good deal, you never know. You could be throwing away tens of thousands of dollars thinking you had something good, but then not realizing there was another two, three, four months to be had with some negotiation, like I say. Right. Alrighty. Um, so if she wants to pursue, she could call in to, uh, yeah, she could. Yeah, she could just call. Uh, she could call Chris as a as a matter of fact, Lyndon, if she has mm -hmm. uh, you know the uh, the severance offer and a copy of her contract. If they even had her sign one, that'd be good to have on hand as well. So I'm going to give you the number now, and I'll repeat it before we wrap up. But uh, you want to get her to uh, to call Chris one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred again one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and his email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Lynn is just that simple and uh, you can carry on from there. Yeah, I think I wonder if she even has a contract at this point. They might have just hired her. Event coordinator might have been a handshake. Who knows, right? Yeah, and, and like I say, even if there's a contract, it could be a one or two pager that mentions absolutely nothing about termination, which would be great. Then there's nothing they're gonna be able to point to to try to limit her rights. Um, but also people should know that we do have the pocket employment lawyer through our through our firm, Sinfir Tamarkin. So if you're somebody who's wondering, you know, how much severance could I get? What are my potential entitlements? If you go on our pocket employment lawyer um, website, you can actually punch in, you know, somebody's age, their length of service, their position, the, um, you know, how long they were with the company. And, you know, it'll shoot out a rough idea of what you could get. It's, it's a bit more rudimentary. You know, a lawyer is going to give you probably more detail and information, but it'll give people with, um, without any knowledge and idea of what their potential could be. And so I always recommend people check out that, uh, that calculator. Yeah, there's probably a fairly good chance that she's going to be lowballed anyway. Even if it is yeah. a uh, you know a sophisticated company, they they mess up sometimes. And like you said, the contracts aren't always ironclad. Maybe they Googled something and used that for a template. But yeah. you know, in any case, it's worth a phone call and a bit of a, a quick chat to you for sure. We're just about done for the night, but you can always reach out to Chris as I mentioned. Now that we're off air and uh, back in on the weekend, but it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmentlawyer.ca. And I mentioned it. Chris mentioned it as well. The website to use and access to that severance calculator, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time right here on the Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.